Good morning. Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're uh, in a series of membership, and uh, inside that series right now, we're kind of looking at uh, the responsibilities that we have as church members, uh, the responsibilities that we have. Now, the first, uh, a, a few weeks ago, we looked at the responsibilities of our individual walk with Christ, that we are all called to have a a personal walk with Christ, and in many, in some ways, hold ourselves accountable uh, in in many areas. Uh, and last week, we we talked about how our responsibility to one another in the church, and how we are to to love and to serve one another and encourage one another, and how important that it is to be here and to encourage one another. And this week, we we want to look at something completely different from those two things, and that's our responsibility to the world at large, our responsibility to those outside the church, that we as church members have an obligation to share the gospel with others. I want to tell you the story of John Harper. John Harper was uh, a young minister uh, in London who, who just had a zeal for evangelism. I mean, that was his strength as a pastor, going through the town, uh, sharing the gospel with people, and just grew uh, grew an, an enormous church from, from, you know, in many ways, his just that one-on-one evangelistic effort that he had. And uh, it caught the eye so much that, that the Moody Bible Church wanted to have him come over. And so he came over and he, uh, he spoke to them and they, uh, in a series of meetings, and they enjoyed him so much that they wanted to have him back. And so he and his daughter board, the, board this boat. Uh, his wife had, had, had passed away. Uh, years before, but he and his daughter, uh, they go in a boat, and uh, during the trip, he wakes his daughter and says, the ship's hit an iceberg, and so he took his daughter, and he put her in a lifeboat, and he stayed on the boat. Now, the only way we know what happens next is because of a young man months later who had survived the Titanic, as you might, ex- uh, might have already guessed, uh, was standing up at a prayer meeting and he, was talk, he talked about that, that he was out floating. After the ship went down, he was floating on debris. And this man, John Harper, came floating by on a piece of debris and said, young man, are you saved? And the man said, no. And he said, call on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And, and he kind of floated away. And he floated, the young man said that John Harper floated back by him and, and, and asked him again, Young man, are you saved? And the young man said, no. And he said, call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And then with that, he lost grip of what he was holding on to and he, he uh, sunk to his death. And that man stood up at that prayer meeting and said, I stand as the last convert of John Harper. Now I want you to know something. I'm no John Harper. And many of you would say, I'm no John Harper in this same situation. I'm looking for a headboard to climb up out of the cold water. Okay? I'm not thinking about there's this individual that I'm getting to share the gospel with that we're, we're, we're likely both going to die, and so he needs the gospel. And so we, we read from Scripture, and, and we look at Scripture, and we see that that there is a gift of evangelism that some people have. I think John Harper had that. I, I think there are people in our church that have that. Um, I, I'm not one, I would not say I have the gift of evangelism.
But here's what I know is I'm, I know that I've also been called to evangelism, that I've been called to spread the gospel because all Christians have been, been given that call. Whether we naturally have that gift and we're inspirational and we're just, it's amazing like John Harper in, in what we'll do to get the gospel to people, whether we have a natural bent to that or not, it is all of our responsibility to share the gospel with others. That is our calling. I, I'm, I'm one that, if you put 100 atheists in here, uh, if you put, you know, fill the place, 400 atheists in here, I man, I could share, I could share the gospel with them compassionately and with passion, fearlessly. In my counseling office, if someone comes to me and I don't feel like they know Christ and I get the opportunity, I, man, with fearlessly, but you put me on next to a plane with somebody that I feel like I need to share the gospel, I'm scared to death. I'm like most of you, scared to death. And yet it's our calling, it's all of our calling to in some way with our lives spread the gospel, multiply the gospel. And what I want us to look at in 2 Timothy 2, 1-13 is that the gospel is for multiplication. Starting with verse 1 in chapter 2. This is Paul writing to Timothy. These are, of course, the pastoral epistles where he's given, uh, given him pastoral insight into pastoring the church. He says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who has enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. For we deny, if we deny him, he, will also deny, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And so this morning, I just want to talk to, to you about the gospel and how we should all be engaged in being people that are getting the gospel out to others. First, God has given church members a gospel that is meant for multiplying. It's meant for multiplying. First of all, it's a gospel meant for clarity. We see here in verse 2 that the idea is that we need to be careful with the gospel. He says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men. He's saying here, hey, Timothy, I've given you the gospel. And it's correct. And it is the gospel that comes from Christ. In fact, not only have I given it to you, but other people have heard me give it to you. They've heard the gospel that I've given to you. So they can be my witnesses of what it is that I've given to you. And, and this is a 
continuation of an idea uh, in chapter 1 where he is writing about guarding the gospel. It says here in verse 13, follow the pattern of the sound words. There's a pattern to it. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Verse 14, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. It is, it is crucial for the church and the church of the future that the gospel be guarded. It has to be guarded. The gospel uh, of the appearing of Christ and, and his life and his death and his resurrection, it is perfect. It is a jewel that does not need to be recut. It is a jewel that does not need to be uh, polished with our own flair. It is perfect in every way. It is the ultimate and only power unto salvation. The church readjusts the gospel by its own peril. The church that surrenders any aspect of the true gospel surrenders its power in the world. There are people who will say, man, there's just too much blood in the gospel. we got to clean that cross stuff up. I was reading uh, uh, on online comments, which you should never read, but I was reading somebody attacking the, the gospel as, no, you can't, you can't give people this gospel of this angry God that, that you know, killed his son for us. So, you know, that's not a God anybody wants to worship. You, you can't have that. You've got to have a nice father not a wrathful father against sin and and people try to make it pretty and 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 make man better in it and instead of realizing that of what it is and it is it is the wrath of God to sinners but yet these are sinners that he loves and so that's why he put forth Christ you can't you can't improve upon that you can't improve upon the gospel while the church of, of God must get the gospel right that's not enough. The church must also get the gospel out. I mean, quite simply, the primary responsibility of the church in every generation is to get the gospel right and to get the gospel out. I mean, if we're going to boil it down to the sim most simplest thing, that is what we are to be doing as the church. That is what we are to be doing as church members, getting the gospel right and getting the gospel out. It is a gospel that's meant to be entrusted. It's meant to be passed along. Look at what chapter, uh, look at what verse 2 says. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The gospel, while it is to be guarded, it's not to be hidden. Imagine if someone, if some laboratory suddenly came up with a pill that cured cancer. And let's say they were just so proud of themselves. We've got a pill that will kill cancer. All you got to do is take this one pill and cancer's gone. And they said, we're so proud of ourselves, we're going to build a nice display case for it. We're going to put this pill in the display case. And, and man, we're even going to let people maybe come look at the pill. And, and we're going to just sit around and think about how awesome we are to come up with this pill. 
look at this beautiful, powerful, amazing pill that we have. We would think that was an atrocity because it's not meant to be looked at. It's not just meant to be admired. It's meant to be mass-produced and sent out into a world that desperately needs it, a world that's dying of cancer. In the same way, we as the church, we're not meant to take that gospel jewel and just look at it from Sunday to Sunday, pull it out every Sunday and go, look what God's done for us. Look at this powerful thing that we have that's changed all our lives. That's not what we're meant to do with the gospel. We're meant to, to, yes, admire it, and yes, worship God through it, but then to take that needed remedy to the world outside that so desperately needs it. we got to get it out. And we see here that Paul has a strong desire to get it out. It's amazing when you really look at what Paul's thinking here. Paul's thinking four generations. Do you see it? He's thinking four spiritual generations, okay? Paul's the father, okay? And he's ministered the gospel into the life of his son Timothy, his spiritual son Timothy. And now what does he say? Hey, Timothy, take that gospel and share it with faithful men. Okay, so you have, his, uh, you have Paul's great-grand-grand, uh, grandson there spiritual grandson and then he says who are able to take that gospel to others also great great grandson man so many of us we're still working up the courage to just find one spiritual son or daughter we're we're still working up the courage to just just present it at least once before we die right And Paul's got a mind here of, I'm thinking four generations ahead of my spiritual children. Oh, to have that heart of Paul. I want to be a pastor with that vision. I want to pastor a people with that kind of vision that they're thinking about their spiritual great-great-grandchildren. And I think we need to ask ourselves, some hard questions this morning. Is there an enthusiasm gap between us and Paul and Timothy when it comes to seeing ourselves multiplied through others? Are we just getting by? Or are we just satisfied with, with having the gospel and getting to look at it every Sunday and think about, man, I'm glad I'm saved? Or do we really have an enthusiasm that says, man, there's so many people in my life and around me and in this town that desperately, desperately needs the cure that I have. He called, Paul is calling us and Timothy to engagement, to go out there and to find people that we can entrust the gospel to, who will entrust it to others, who will entrust it to others, who will entrust it to others. It's a gospel that's meant for, it's meant for engagement. Here's here's what he says, Paul says in verse 3, Share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. I I love the, the picture painted here we have the single-minded soldier right 
every soldier that I've ever met, I've just admired their just ability to get things done. Uh, they're, they're men of focus because they've been taught to be men of focus, and, and they're about carrying out the orders in the best way possible. Um, and then it, it, it pegs a picture of, of the athlete. And that, that really hit me this week because the start of the Olympics. And, and, like, there's no half-hearted people in the Olympics, folks. These are, I mean, these are athletes that train, that they give their lives. I, I, I love curling. Anybody watch curling? It's like a, like, bowling ver- slash shuffleboard slash I don't know what on ice. I love watching it, but it occurs to me, how do you get into this? How do you, how do you say, my life, Every waking moment is going to be about trying to, to win a medal in curling. And yet, you, you watch in the Olympics, these athletes, they, man, they're, they're engaged. They, are, they have given their lives for this sport and for the glory that they may be able to find through that sport. And then we have a farmer, uh, the hardworking farmer. Uh, last spring, I, I tried to throw together a garden like I normally do, and I had some health issues, and I just kind of tried to throw it together real quickly. It was just a quick plow, and, and, and I, for a couple of weeks, when I first planted, didn't have time to kind of recheck the weeds. And, man, I got nothing, nothing from that garden because I, it was half-hearted. And so the, the idea here is, is even though you have three very different people, a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer who had very different roles in life, Here's what they have in common. They're engaged. And they're always engaged in being better. They're always engaged at at fighting against things that are maybe holding them back. And I think that's what we are called to when it comes to passing on the gospel. That, yeah, we may not be all naturally endowed with a gift for evangelism, but we are to fight to make sure that we are engaged, that we are like a soldier and like a dedicated athlete and like a farmer who's working hard, that, that we are out there doing what needs to be done to fulfill the Great Commission. We're called to, as Christians to a life of engagement and suffering, to, to get the gospel out. It's not always easy. I mean, when these words are being written, it was, it was life-threatening to get the gospel out, which we don't experience unless we go to another country to share the gospel. So let us be engaged. Let us work hard to share the gospel. I also see that God has given the church members a gospel that is not just meant for multiplying. It's made for multiplying. It's a gospel made, first of all, for simplicity. Oftentimes, I think many Christians are reluctant to multiply because they don't feel like they know enough. What if they ask me something I don't know the answer to? How embarrassing would that be? Paul reminds Timothy that the message is simple. He says simply this, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. The Bible itself is a rich resource of knowledge. You could explore its depth for a lifetime and not even get close to exhausting it. But the gospel itself is very simple. 
Paul said this to the Corinthians, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I've done a little long-distance backpacking in the last few years, and here's what I noticed. Every time I go, my pack gets smaller and lighter. Okay, I'm constantly trying to think of, I don't need this. Because when you, when you travel 26 miles on foot, a pound adds a lot. Adds a few blisters. And, and then I'm always kind of thinking about, okay, how can I replace this with this more expensive piece of equipment that is lighter? Because I want to travel, I want to be as light as possible to journey. And that's what God's given us in the gospel. He's not, he, although he's given us a scripture that we can explore for a lifetime that, ex, that, that, that gives us the depths of the gospel, the gospel itself is, is all that we need to, to share with others and to see them become uh, converts and then see them begin to grow in discipleship. You don't have to know the age of the earth. You don't have to know the, all the details of Christ's coming. You don't have to know every fact of the Bible. You, you simply need to know about Christ, and then it also helps just to be able to share what Christ has done for you. What Christ has done for the world and what Christ has done for you is really all you need to be armed with when you go out into the world. Now, yeah, we all should seek to become better, seek to have more, answers to people that might have them absolutely we should always study but i think sometimes someone comes to the gospel uh, or someone uh, comes to christ and they're like well what's next well you need to get in a bunch of bible studies and you need to you need to uh, get, read this book you need to do this you need that when when i think really i think the call is hey you need to go and share with people what christ has done for you and as you go you're going to have questions other people are going to have questions. And as you go, you can deal with those. You've got this great, big, amazing Bible to, to, to grow in and to learn. But, but your job, your responsibility as a Christian is to go and tell people simply what Christ has done for you. And it's a gospel that's it's made for simplicity. And sometimes I think we're so scared because we think, Man, I, I can't talk to anybody because I've got to have all the answers. You don't have to have all the answers. You just need the gospel. I, I, I've been blown away lately in talking to children from Wyatt about the gospel. I don't know if it's our Sunday school literature or if it's what's being done in Awanas, but it's fascinating. So often, more often than not, it's, they, they, they put the gospel in such clear, more clarity than a lot of times adults that I talk to have it. You know what a blessing that is. What a blessing that, that God has, has made the gospel so simple that, that children can understand it. And so it can travel. It's light. It, it can go out into a world that desperately needs it. And it's a, it's a gospel that's made to endure because of us. Paul is clear here, that, clear here that the gospel moves through people, generation to generation, disciple to disciple to disciple. And God has chosen us to be the conduit through which the gospel travels. Paul asks in Romans 10, 14, and how can they hear without someone preaching? God could have written the gospel in the stars of the sky, but he chose 
to pass the gospel along through you and me. God uses us in, he uses us in different ways. He uses our personalities. I was talking to Council Lee a while back, and, and they said, Man, I, I really struggle with evangelism. I, I feel like I'm being disobedient because, because I'm not walking up to people at Walmart in the parking lot and sharing the gospel with them. He said, that, that, that terrifies me. I, I, don't wanna, I just can't bring myself to do that. And I said, well, man, I said, I said what do you love to do? What do you like to do? He said, man, I like to serve people. It's like to, well, if I see someone struggling, I like to help them out. I said, man, do that. And as you're doing that, pray that God will give you opportunities through that service to open up doors to share the gospel. Like, I think we get in this, in this mode that, that hey, God, evangelism has to look this way. It has to be approaching people on the Walmart parking lot when really what most of us need to do is just look for opportunities in our lives that, that come up every day. I mean, y'all, knocking on doors isn't dead. We baptized a family last Sunday because Mike Brown knocked on their door. And so God may move you to knock on the doors in your neighborhood and share the gospel, and that is fine. But it doesn't necessarily have to look exactly like that. You need to look around at, at the people in your workplace or the people... Uh, in your social gatherings and just ask yourself, is there, are there ways that I could get the gospel to them? To operate your, at work in a Christian manner, and that goes a long way that beyond putting an Igfus fish on your sign or on your business card. It's about conducting your business fairly, to be a great worker, to be so great that people, what, what's this about? Why are y'all so good? Why do you why, why do y'all treat people so fairly in your, how you change oil? It's because Christ has, has loved us. We want to love our customers. That's, uh, that's the way of evangelism is just being great at your job and looking for opportunities to share why you're, you believe in being great at your job. Don't get called in, up in a box that it has to look this way. But it's not just the gospel that's made to, uh, to endure because of us. It's also made to endure despite us. Notice what Paul says in verse 9. For which I am suffering, bound with, the chain, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Paul is saying that even when my, I myself am bound up, I'm in prison. And he says this amazing thing, the gospel... Uh, the Word of God is not bound. It continues to go out. It continues to change lives, even while I myself am bound up. Many of us don't believe we are equipped to share the gospel. I'm not eloquent enough. I'm not brave enough. I'll stutter through what I'm saying. Well, isn't it good that the gospel's power rests on the Spirit of Christ and not on you? not on your abilities to share it. It's not, it's not even just that God chooses to use the gospel despite our weaknesses. It's his preferred way of sharing the gospel. That's why uh, we're told in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show 
that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. God is saying, look, I have put this treasure of the gospel in imperfect, brittle, frail men that aren't that great at it. So that when you come to Christ, you'll know that it is I and not them who saved you. And our weakness isn't a reason to not share the gospel. It's the very reason that God's given us our weakness. I wonder if you've, you've heard of the conversion of C.H. Spurgeon. Uh, one of the greatest preachers, many argue the greatest preacher outside of the Bible that's ever lived. On a very, very cold winter day, it was just a horrible, awful snowstorm, and so he took shelter in a little chapel, a little church service that was going on. So he goes in, and uh, lo and behold, the preacher was snowed out. The preacher couldn't get there because of the weather. And so some poor guy, poor lay guy, who knows what he was, a, a shoemaker or a, um, you know, a, a mechanic, we don't know. That's lost to history. We don't know the guy's name. But he stood up because there, there has to be a sermon, right? Some people came out in the storm to hear a sermon, and the preacher isn't here, so I'll, I'll give you a sermon. And he read Isaiah 45, 22, which reads, Look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no one else. And in the absence of a sermon, he just started telling people, Hey, look to God. Hey, you, look to God. Hey, you, look to, he, I don't know, he may have did this 15 minutes just because he said, hey, we got to have at least a 15-minute sermon. He just kept repeating, look to God. And he pointed at C.H. Spurgeon and he said, young man, you look miserable. You need to look to God. And do you know in that moment, Spurgeon was converted. The greatest preacher that's lived since Bible days was converted because some guy stumbled through a gospel presentation and told him to look to God. Who knows what God will do through the feeble attempts of, that, we, that we make to share the gospel with others. We could change the world through one feeble attempt. The gospel we carry is incredibly powerful. The Spirit can take even the most feeble efforts that we have and make more than we ever thought possible. And God has given the church, church members his presence for multiplying. In verses 11 through 13, it says this, The saying is trustworthy, for we have died with, uh, for we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also, or he also will deny us. For we are faithful. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So we have in these last few verses of our text, we have a very stark warning, and then we have a, a very great promise. And the stark warning is this. If we live a life that denies Christ, then he will deny us. If others look at our lives and they see a denial of Christ, if despite that we have church membership and despite if we uh, proclaim Christ, if we, if we never proclaim him in public, if we never 
when people look into our lives, see any characteristics of him in us or see any affection uh, that we have in, in him in us, then we really need to ask some hard questions about, am I someone that's going to one day realize I'm going to stand before God and he's going to deny me because I spent my whole life in one way or another denying him? It's a stark warning. There's some great promises here that, that if we die with him, we will also live. That if we endure, we'll also reign with him. And even if we are faithless, he remains faithful. I, I, love, I love these these promises that if we, man, yeah, if, if you are a, a soldier of Christ, if you're a hard-working farmer of Christ, if you're a, a, a hard-trained athlete for Christ, it's going to cost you some things. It may put you in some awkward situations as you share the gospel, but whatever you do for Christ is going to be rewarded. That if you lay down your life for Him, you're going to live, you're going to have more life than you ever knew what to do with. If you endure, if you continue to, to be a good, engaged athlete, then you're going to reign with Him in joy one day. And I love this promise. Even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. When I think about John Harper and I look at that and I go, man, I'm no John Harper. And I look at even, even lay men in our church and, and I say, I'm, man, I wish I had that kind of heart for evangelism where I just meet people I'm automatically thinking about their eternal destiny. I, I wish I was like that guy. And, and, and thinking about, man, I'm not who I need to be yet. I haven't grown enough in my desire to see people saved. Even when I have been faithless, he remains faithful to me. That my lack of evangelism, my lack of a heart for the lost, is not something that makes him cast me aside because I was faithless. No, he holds on to me because, I, because he is faithful. But you know what? That shouldn't make me go, well, I can just keep being faithless in evangelism. I can keep, you know, just living my life because, hey, he's not going to cast me away. Or I could really grab a clue from that text and go, don't I want other people to be loved like that? Don't I want people to have that kind of faithfulness in their life from God and, they, and so they need me to share the gospel with them so they would know a love that does not cast you aside when you don't live up to what God's called you to do. Oh, the gospel is beautiful. Why? Why would I not share it with others? I want to close with one more story. The delayed conversion of Luke Short. Um, Luke Short was kind of a unique guy. He, he, uh, as a boy, he w lived in uh, England and he came over to the United States and he lived into the 1700s. And, um, and very unique and peculiar, he lived in that time to be 100 years old. People just don't live that long. Didn't live that long back then. They barely lived that long today, but he had this long, long life. Here's a fascinating thing uh, about him is that when he was a boy, still in London, he heard a sermon by John Flavel. 
And uh, it had disturbed him, but he kind of quickly cast it aside that, yeah, I'm not going to worry about God. And so he lived his life how he wanted to live it. And then towards the end of his life, sitting in the field pondering his life, he began to think about how he had cast God aside. And, and he began to think about that sermon that he heard when he was a boy. And right there in his field, he was converted 85 years after hearing the sermon. Because of a, a preacher's faithfulness, yeah, he, I don't know, it may have been a Sunday and, uh, that he preached and no one, no one responded. And he couldn't possibly know that that sermon would rattle around in a man's head for 85 years until he was converted, until that, that sermon rattling in his head shot down to his heart and he responded by coming to know Christ right before he died. Folks, it's not our job to save people. It's our job to be faithful to share the gospel with people. Who knows what God will do in time and in our feeble efforts, who knows what God would do, would do with our efforts to share the gospel. But we've got to be faithful. We've got to be faithful. We've got to be faithful to do that. I want to challenge, I want to end with a challenge this morning. I'm going to give you three separate challenges. First, I challenge you to pray for an opportunity. I want you to pray for an opportunity this week to share the gospel or to begin the process of sharing the gospel with someone. That maybe God would open your heart to that person uh, that, that, that needs the gospel. That, that God would open up an opportunity to share the gospel. I'm just going to, in a few moments, at, at the very close, as the musicians come, I'm going to give you a few moments just to pray about that just to ask God to give you an opportunity this week to share his gospel with someone. And number two, I want to um, offer up a challenge. Um, this is a resource that, that is phenomenal. It's called One-to-One -one Bible Reading. And what this is, it's just a way for you uh, to make disciples that is easy. It is just simply... You go up to someone and you say, hey, would you mind if once a week we read the Bible together? Listen to me, you don't have to prepare a lesson. You sit down and you open up the Word of God and you, all, you just read it together. And, and you just talk about the Scripture and you study it together. And, uh, and, and this book will tell you, hey, if you're dealing with a non-believer, these verses might be a good, good thing to study if you're dealing with a with someone that, that maybe knows a little bit about God, but you're not sure if they're a believer, read these verses. If you're dealing with someone that you think's a believer, but they're very immature, read these verses. It's just a guideline, and it gives you just several ways that you can study the Bible with them. I've got 10 of these, okay? And I would like all 10 of them to be gone. They're out there uh, at the Welcome Center. There's a stack of them. There's 10 of them. And then there's a list there. I want you to take one, and I want you to sign your name. And I want you to commit, to begin to look for someone that you can go up to. 
You don't have to say, hey, I, can I disciple you or can I witness to you? Just say, hey, you, you want to read the Bible and, and find out more about what the Bible's about? Because I'd love to just read the Bible with someone. Man, I guarantee you, you're not going to have to ask many people before somebody will agree to do that with you. But there's 10, and there's a place for 10 blanks if we, if we sell out. Uh, you, can, uh, you can sign that list, uh, the, the bottom 10, and we'll order some for you. But uh, those are available free to you. Um, there's 10 of them, and I want all of them gone. Please take up this challenge and, and take them, and then find somebody to read uh, the Bible with. And then thirdly, you know, sometimes we, we get real nervous about, hey, how do I share the gospel? I would encourage you as parents of small children or even teenage children, how have you ever sat down with your kids and just talked to them about how you came to know Christ? Sometimes we just need a little primer. We need to get going. And sometimes it's just that captive audience where you can make them sit there. Um, they can't leave. Uh, and just share with them. And who knows what God's going to do in the heart of your child. But I think sometimes we overlook that, the opportunity that's right there in our home. And so uh, the challenge, those are the three challenges I have. is for all of you to pray in a moment uh, that God will give you an opportunity to share the gospel uh, I'm, I'm challenging 10 of you to pick up this book and, and sign the list uh, and, and commit to trying to find somebody uh, to read the Bible with. And thirdly, uh, share the gospel and, and talk about your testimony with your children this week. So I'm going to ask uh, our musicians to come. Uh, I'm going to ask you to remain seated for a moment and... Um, and just take a moment to pray to God, asking God to give you opportunity, give you eyes to see opportunities to share the gospel. And then as I close out in prayer, you can stand up uh, at that time. But I want, to, I want to give you a minute or two to pray and ask God to challenge your heart uh, with someone to share the gospel with. Let's pray. Dearly Father God, I thank you, God, that, that the gospel is not dependent on my efforts, but that it, it draws from my efforts, that God, all you desire from me and from our, from everyone here is, is faithfulness in sharing. And God, I pray that you would lay a person on our heart this week lay an opportunity in our path that we might just be able to share the wonderful gospel that has changed us 
God, help us to be faithful. God, so that your word will go out and do amazing things that we never thought possible. God, move in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand.